Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 232 and a half. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me right now. That's because he is in San Jose, California. Literally at this moment as I'm speaking, he is caged side for Bell Tour 226, which is starting to unfold in California. Meanwhile, it is super, super late Saturday night, early Sunday morning here in Abu Dhabi, where UFC 242 took place earlier this evening. And Habib Nurmagomedov is still your UFC lightweight champion. In fact, he's your undisputed lightweight champion now that uh, he dethroned the interim champ, Dustin Poirier, and he did so in incredible fashion. Uh, third round submission, two minutes and six seconds in the third round, and it was just a uh, an amazing performance by Habib Nurmagomedov. It, it, it really, really was. Um, this was a, a, a big event, a big moment that he, you know, later afterwards admitted he definitely felt the pressure and the expectations and all those things around him. This was the kickoff of this five-year partnership between the UFC and the government here in Abu Dhabi. This was called Abu Dhabi Showdown Week. There was all kinds of stuff, you know, designed around it. There was a concerts, there were parties, there were all kinds of stuff, and this was basically designed to be a big showcase of Abu Dhabi and the UAE and you know kind of what the area has to offer and uh of course they they wanted the the hometown fans to to be able to cheer alongside Habib Nurmagomedov and uh they did exactly that they built this this place that the, the thing the event was in tonight was called the arena that's just a very very simple name there the arena uh it's a as it was described to me a semi-permanent structure it's not um you know it was Calling it a tent is a little bit unfair. I mean, it's shaped like a tent, but, um, you know, much, uh, you know, kind of the hard, firm walls or whatever. But it's not, you know, a full-fledged building. It's, um, from my understanding, at least going to be here for the five years of the of the, of the the deal here between the USC and and uh, the government of Abu Dhabi. And then they'll, they'll have other events and other things there, and then they'll keep bringing the USC back. Although it sounds like they're talking about other options as well but uh, but this was kicking off and again a lot of pressure on Habib Nurmagomedov's shoulders he was expected to deliver and he did it he did it even with the pressure even with the expectations he turned in another solid performance and you know if you listen to the show earlier in the week I, I ended up picking Dustin Poirier and and saying that man just the way he was carrying himself the things he was doing um and his game you know not just the not just the Rocky story but his game too that I thought you know he had what it takes to beat Habib Nurmagomedov, but uh, you know, at the same time, I also realized I, I can't believe I'm picking against a guy that's 27 and 0, and uh, hey, guess what? He's now 28 and 0, <laughs> and prove that he is no fluke, man, deserving of that right. I don't know. I don't know anybody said he was a fluke, but uh, you know, this did not end up being the guy that was uh, able to challenge him. Now, Dustin had some moments. You know, very uh, first round started out very patient. You know, Dustin. Kicked the legs a little bit, looked to kind of settle in, um, you know, tried to defend a takedown, ended up getting taken down um, and, and losing that first round. Then, you know, round two, listen, I, Dustin had him hurt. I mean, it was it was one good shot, to be honest with you, that landed, but he was hurt. I mean, there was some uh, there were some tense moments there for Habib. I thought, you know, he wobbled a little bit, and then, you know, he's always kind of awkward, but I thought it was even – more awkward the way he came out and 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 was looking to recover. So, um, you know, I I, I think there were a couple steps there where, where he was in a moment of trouble, but he shook it off. And uh, in the third round, you know, difficult submission situation. I mean, Dustin Poirier had 
uh, what looked to be a, a, a really deep guillotine choke. Um, didn't get all the way to guard. And in fact, it looked like um, he, he actually was kind of willing to go out of guard uh, and, and, and thought he might be able to angle a little bit and get the squeeze. He, he later said, uh, you know, he's not sure that was the right thing, and, and now he's got some regrets. And, oh, man, heartbreaking stuff for Dustin Poirier. I mean, uh, you know, thought this was his moment. You know, the, the all the years, all the sacrifice, you know, finally built up to this, and, and, and he comes up short. And just, I mean, Habib's a monster. It's that simple. Habib Nurmagomedov is a monster. Uh, and, and he looked phenomenal. And then uh, if you haven't seen the scene, Habib actually uh, scales the cage afterwards, reminiscent of uh, of going after Dylan Dennis in Las Vegas, um, but he jumps on Dana White. He, he leaps the cage. And I will say for a brief moment, um, because I worked backstage on that. I was interviewing the winning fighters all night long. But for the main event, I had gotten caught up with all my work, and so I was able to slip out and watch the main event in person out there. Um, and I will say, I think everybody in the press section, you know, wasn't in on the joke to start with. And the minute you scale the cage, it was like, oh my God, are you serious? Like what? And then, uh, the, the madness quickly is uh, restored to sanity and everybody realized it's a, it's a joke. And, and he's just, you know, saying what's up to Dana. And then of course, classy stuff in the cage afterwards, you know, he, he comes back in the cage, uh, Habib and Dustin chains, uh, exchange jerseys, you know, their, their walkout t-shirts and, you know, Habib says he's going to end up selling uh, the, the one that he wore from Dustin. He's going to autograph it and sell it and give the money that he makes from it to the to the charity foundation that Dustin Poirier, uh, you know, raises money for. Uh, Dana White, lady studied, matched that figure as well. So, I mean, just just classy stuff all the way around. And then Habib, you know, makes it a point to say, um, you know, look, this fight was about respect. This was about um, great people doing great athletic things. You know, this is not trash talking. That's not what MMA is about. So. It was cool. I mean, look, I, I, I'm a website operator. I get it. The trash talking is what gets clicks. And at the end of the day, I know it generates a ton of money. It does. Um, but, man, it, it is so much more pleasant when a fight is built up in a manner of just, you know, two incredible athletes looking to do battle versus, you know, making it some kind of personal issue. So, uh, great performance by Habib Nurmagomedov and uh, silly me to, to bet against him. Now, you got to figure out who out there can beat him and you know it does sound like from from all intents and purposes the the UFC plans on doing the, the Tony Ferguson fight next for Habib of course that's been booked several times before it's always fallen through uh, we'll try once again but I mean Tony Ferguson really is the absolute deserving number one contender there's no question about it you know was the interim champ never lost his title um, just had some some injuries and things that that didn't fall his way along the way but he's he's the right guy and I do think he has some chances there's a reason that everybody has always thought that that's the matchup to make and you know not the least of which uh, Tony is incredibly dangerous off his back um he's he's you know you're probably going to end up taken down at some point by Habib Nurmagomedov it's just his chain wrestling his takedowns his pressure it's intense and, and Dustin admitted as much afterwards so you're probably going to find yourself on your back at some point uh, but you know Tony Ferguson is, is creative on the feet uh, as well you know, and he's got some unorthodox stuff um, that I think could potentially catch Habib because Habib, you know, is a little sloppy in the in the striking department. He's aggressive and it pays off, but you know, that's a fight that we all want to see, and I think that's definitely uh, the fight to make. You know, some other names that people are throwing out there are our good buddy uh, Oscar Willis uh, from the Mac Life. You know, he, he threw out the name Justin Gaethje as somebody that can maybe uh, beat Habib. You know, just the the pressure and the willingness to 
get in there and, and, and maybe take a couple punches to give some. Um, but, you know, if you have that ability to land some power, maybe that's what maybe that's what does Habib in. And certainly you probably want something like that. Um, a, a, a guy on, on, on Twitter named Keith England at Cowman1970, he hit me up after the fight. He said the only man that can beat Habib is Gregor Gillespie. I've said it over and over. Gregor, of course, a great wrestler. So, yeah, he might be able to – to, to, to hang in there in that department as well. You know, I don't think that fight's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Gregor, who I'm a big fan of, is still making his way up the list. But, you know, he is starting to make some waves. So so who knows? I think a big key is just going to be how long Habib hangs on. How long does he keep fighting? He said, look, I, I don't have a ton of fights left. You know, my, I've been through this a long time. Um, I've got money in the bank. You know, yes, there's some more things I want to do. But I'm not going to be doing this a ton of time. So whether he sticks around long enough to get to Gregor Gillespie, I don't know, but I can appreciate the sentiment and the fact that you know that type of game uh, c- could get it done. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the name George St. Pierre was brought up again tonight, and and you know Habib made it clear if if, if we're doing GSP, uh, we're doing it at 155. So you know GSP's got to be back. He's got to be willing to cut. Um, but if he is, he said, look, that guy's a legend, and, and I'm down. So uh, who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, that would be a super fight. It'd be big, big money. Uh, it would be a lot of interest, and, and man, uh, you start talking about goat talk there. I mean, that would be that would be pretty phenomenal. But, uh, again, you know, GSP's got to be wanting to come back, and he's got to be wanting to do it at 155. So, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I just – not a lot of names pop right to the top of mind, and you say, that dude would smoke Khabib. I mean, ah, uh, nah. I, phenomenal, man. Absolutely phenomenal. Just shut down Dustin Poirier tonight. So, uh, all right, listen uh, – Habib uh, did talk to the media afterwards, and uh, you could tell he was certainly a lot less tense than he was beforehand. So we talked just a little bit about his plans and, and what's coming next. Uh, and, and uh, man, why he believes he considers some some goat talk. And I don't I don't see how you can say anything otherwise, man. The man is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, here's what he had to say after the fight. Congrats on the win. Um, can you just talk us through how the fight went relative to your expectations? Did you feel like you were going to be able to do what you did tonight and uh, you know, eventually submit Dustin? You know, guys, Dustin Poirier is uh, one of the best in the world. He's not just champion state or champion country. One of the best in the world. You know? Of course, I expect it's going to be a tough match. It's going to be a tough opponent. And... Uh, and uh, it was a great match, I think. Yeah, with you saying that and praising him, you beating him like you did, what does that say about you now, being 28-0, 12-0 in UFC? I don't know. I hope, you know, it's like, you know what's interesting in this sport? Even if you're 28-0, 12-0 in UFC, you're one of the biggest stars. You smash everybody. People gonna talk about you have to fight with him, you have to fight with him, we have to fight with him. Give me just respect. Put me on number one pound for pound fight next week, and uh, because I think I deserve this, because I dominate, you know, with all my opponents. I am undefeated, you know, and uh, I think I deserve some respect. You talk. You obviously care about your legacy and stuff a lot. Um, everyone wants to, this Tony Ferguson fight to happen. It's fell apart four times before. Dana said that's the next fight as long as he accepts it. How important is it for this fight to happen finally? My next opponent is 
very good steak with burger double cheese. I want this one, you know, and with some juice with ice. I want to enjoy a little bit. Give me a couple days, guys, please. Habib, Habib, over here, right in front of you. Hi, uh, congratulations on the win. Tell me what, now that, that it's kind of over, tell me what this whole week has been like for you. This has been so big for the region. You're kind of the reason why we're here, right? Uh, tons of pressure on you, tons of media obligations. Now that it's over, when you look back, just tell me what this week has been like for you. This is not about one week. This is about like a um, couple, last couple years, you know. I trained so hard with day off, without day off, you know. And um, of course, last week it was very hard too, you know, with the cutting weight, with all this media stuff, with pressure. Like before, when I come to uh, locker room, I feel great. But when I beginning walking inside the arena, I feel pressure because I watch like, oh, okay, I know this guy. I watch other guy, I know this guy. This guy from my village, this guy from my uncle, this guy my friend. Oh, I know this guy, he's from my city, you know? Like, everyone inside the arena, I know everybody, you know? That's why I feel a little bit pressure. Like, for example, when I fight in <coughs> US, I don't know almost nobody inside the arena, but here is like a lot of people, my close people come in to support me, and I feel a little bit pressure. All my uncles come, my cousins, you know, it's like big, big family come and, uh, and you know, it's like, I feel so much pressure. Um, firstly, you had your father here tonight in your corner. What kind of influence did that have? Um, did, how did that help you by having him here at, at the arena? It's like I told you guys, when I go to the cage with my father, I feel I go to the cage with the lion, you know. My father was with me, Shamil was with me, Muhammad was with me. Of course, Javier Mendez, Mexican lion, was with me, you know, it's like, uh, they give me so much energy, you know, and um, I'm very happy, you know, I show this great performance with my father and all my teammates, you know, it's like, why I am here? Because of my team, my sparring partners, Islam, Omar, Abu Bakr, Zubar, other Islam, everybody, it's like, Saigid, Gajid, like we have so, so strong team with coaches, with support, you know, it's like, that's why I'm here. They push me everywhere in grappling, striking, wrestling, conditioning, like everywhere we push each other and that's why we win. We keep winning and inshallah we're gonna do this more and more. You, you've become certainly an inspiration to many in the Muslim world. Uh, what was it like to fight here and where next in this region would you like to fight? Uh, I love this region, uh, you know. I've been in Turkey, Europe, Russia, like even Dagestan, US, Brazil, Canada. I've been everywhere, like Africa, but this place, most safe place in the world. You know, Emirates, Abu Dhabi and Dubai, it, this is an amazing place. Of course, I want to fight here. I have very good energy here. I love these people. These people love me, you know. And I hope they like my performance and they enjoy with all event. And uh, I want to come back here, like, maybe next year. Why not? Because UFC already make with Abu Dhabi um, exclusive contract. 
and uh, next year they're gonna make show here too, you know. And uh, we'll see. Maybe in Russia, maybe in Russia, in Moscow, in eighty thousand um, stadium. I think uh, I think I can find in Moscow. I can fight here in Abu Dhabi, like everywhere. Maybe in Africa. Why not? I really wanna fight in Africa too. Thank you. Uh, just down here. Um, I know you've spoken before about uh, a fight with GSP down the line. Uh, actually, he was just asked moments ago about this fight, um, and he said, sure, as his answer to that being maybe a possibility. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? George Semper is great, great guy, great champion, great athlete. You know, he's very good, for example, for young kids. If you want to come back, I know he retired. If wanna come back, if he if he feel hungry, you know, if he feel uh, he can improve his legacy with fight with me and he can make 155, I'm waiting for him. And, uh, and I think maybe he like new build. If you like, I can give him, you know, just only for one photo. But then he have to give him back this build, you know. But if you wanna fight, welcome. And there was a lot of mutual respect between you and Dustin. Uh, can you just speak a little bit about what you think of uh, Dustin as, as a, an opponent, as a, as a person as well? Obviously, you both do a lot of charity work together, mm. uh, and, and you announced that you would be uh, selling his, uh, his, the shirt that you were wearing as well. If you could just speak a little bit about what you think of Dustin as a person. Uh, I, I just like... Uh, I just changed with him T-shirt because I feel uh, we can use this platform, Octagon, and uh, I feel I can sell this T-shirt um, and make more than money if he sell because I have more followers than him in Instagram. I'm gonna put this Instagram this T-shirt and I'm gonna sell this, and I don't know how much I'm gonna make and all money I'm gonna send him to his fund and he can do whatever he want about because I hear about he do some charity stuff and uh, we're famous, we have money, you know, but we can help people, why not, you know, if you, hand, if you have money in your hand, this is very good, but if money go in your mind, this is very bad and that's why we have to stay focused, you know, stay humble help people, this is very important. And if you help people, why I cannot help him? I'm gonna help him, you know, it's like, this is very important for us, you know, even if you make one, one kid happy, you know, it's gonna be a big honor for me. Uh, Khabib, TS Center. Uh, Khabib, talk us through what was going on in your mind during the second round. So there was like one point of time where Dustin seemed like he was uh, at the forefront and he was more dominant. What was going on in your mind? Did you feel like you were weaker or so? Honestly, I don't understand question. Talk us through what was so. going on in your mind during the second round. Because at that time, your Dustin, he landed a few punches and he seemed a little more dominant. He seemed like he was he stood a chance. Uh, what did you feel about that? Uh, how I can feel, this is a fight, you know, he punched my face, how I can feel. If I punch your face, how are you gonna feel? You don't like this, I know, you know. Nobody like if someone punch your face, you know, this is no good. 
please don't punch someone's face. If, you, if you're gonna punch people, nobody feel good. He's a great opponent. He punched me a couple times, but I control everything. Only one thing, it was very close. This is guillotine. First time, it was very good guillotine. But I expect him from him because I watch all his fights and I, ho I know he's all the time going to guillotine. And you know, like first time it was close, second time uh, I give him because I feel he, he lost uh, so much energy, so much power because of guillotine. And, and you know, it's, this is like part of the game, how I can play with my opponents. Not many people can understand this. Um, so your, your team captain DC was double champ. Uh, your main rival Conor McGregor was double champ. Are you ever interested in going up in weight or down in weight uh, to get a, a second belt? No, I don't want to go. I'm not Walter weight and I'm not <coughs> fighter weight. I'm lightweight, lightweight champion, you know, and uh, I want to defend my title in lightweight division. Uh, middle uh, Walter weight maybe but no yet I don't think about two belt three belt I already have three belts two different belts you know this one's a little bit heavy and uh, I feel great in lighter division all right so very happy he'll be never gonna be ready to go eat a steak and his burger uh, and, and celebrate, and, and again, it does sound like the Ferguson fight's going to be next, but he said, you know, give me a little time. Let me, let me enjoy this win a little bit, and then we'll go from there. So, fair enough, you know. Uh, you probably want a couple days before you accept it, and you already got to start thinking about your next fight and your next, you know, date, your next training camp, all that. I'm sure he wants to enjoy it for a couple days. Uh, meanwhile, man, that, um, man, it just, you, I don't know how your heart doesn't go out for him. Dustin Poirier, uh, as you would expect, classy as always, came to the back, talked to the media as well. Um, I, I think it was battling back a lot of emotion. Uh, certainly, you know, as he said, he's got to live with this, and he's got to think about it. And and you know, he's got to ask and and try to answer to himself why he didn't fulfill his destiny. Um, and those aren't easy conversations to have, man. Uh, man, these 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 athletes obviously they work their ass off for one thing. When it doesn't turn out, it can be it can be very very tough. And uh, props to to Justin Poirier for stepping in. Um, Again, it, he he was very very emotional and understandably so. Um, and, and like I said, I, I just don't know how your heart doesn't go out for him. Uh, you know, I, I think there's still big fights available for him. I, I think this guy has, you know, become well respected and well liked. And because of that, you know, I I, I think they're going to be, you know, still big fights on the table for him, even with this loss. I know he's frustrated, but um, who knows? You know, maybe this, maybe maybe this setback will will lead him down a different path or. Or lead him to a uh, you know a title shot in the future that he feels better prepared for. So um, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, but man, I think you can just hear the emotion in his voice as he addresses the media. Uh, it's Dustin Poirier. Um, obviously disappointing with the outcome tonight, but uh, now that you've had a little time to reflect on what happened in there, can you just give us you know some more thoughts uh, aside from what you said in the cage? The guy's good, man. Uh, he's a world champ. Maybe I could have done more. You know, hindsight's 2020. I was very prepared for this fight, to fight 25 minutes. He did exactly what I thought he was gonna do. Maybe, you know, of course I'm gonna beat myself up and I'm the only one who has to deal with this, me and my family. But uh, I'm just wondering if, if maybe against the fence, when I got underhooks, if I could have 
tried a little bit harder to get off the fence maybe, you know, but that's just questions that I'm gonna have to live with for the rest of my life. I thought for sure he was winning the rounds, obviously, taking me down and dominating, but I felt like he was squeezing hard. We were getting slicker. Uh, I felt like he was getting a little weaker. I, I Coming into this fight, I thought later in the third, fourth and fifth were gonna be my rounds. Not that I was planning on giving up the first two, but I knew they were gonna be tough. So coming back to the stool after each, each of those rounds, in the beginning, I uh, wasn't getting up, damaged a whole lot. With, with shots that were hurting, he cut me. But uh, I thought the deeper we got into the fight, the, the more slick I was gonna be able to be. But uh, you know, that's fighting, man. Stuff is, 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 is tough. Yeah, and it seems like you got him with a couple of good shots in the second round, and then that guillotine seemed pretty deep. Um, how close did you feel you were in those two moments? The guillotine was really deep. But for the rest of my life, I'm gonna look back and wonder why I didn't jump full guard with it. I just threw one leg over so he couldn't pass to, to take the choke off. I should have jumped full guard. I don't know why I went shin across the stomach with the right leg or whatever I had, a butterfly with it. I should have went full guard so he couldn't roll out and relieve the pressure. Um, when I heard him, maybe in the back of my head, the takedown was, I felt like I couldn't get anything going with my stand-up. He, he's very awkward. He dips his head and throws uppercuts. We never got into a, an, like an orthodox kickboxing or boxing exchange on the feet. It was all one punch at a time or him dipping and throwing a knee or him dipping and throwing an uppercut. I, I didn't get a rhythm. I felt like the way he's, he was pulling back, it was hard for me to set up my, sh my, my combinations and get, in, get into a rhythm. Uh, you know, I know I, I sound like I have a, a lot of excuses, but I was just so prepared, you know, for tonight. It, it, this one really hurts. Uh, I know it's probably not what's on the top of your mind right now, but uh, Habib did say after the fight he was going to donate to your charity. And then I don't know if you heard Dana when you're in the back there. He said he's going to match whatever Habib contributes. What does that mean to you? You know, it's, it's great, you know, because uh, it's going to help a lot of people. We're building a water well in Uganda. So, you know, that I'm sure. With the memorabilia sold, we're gonna reach the goal and uh, build a solar power water well with a tower for the pygmy people in an uh, orphanage and school in, U in Uganda. So I'm proud of that, you know. But I wanted to leave tonight the world champ and I just let myself down, man. But I, I appreciate them, you know, helping out the charity. It's been growing and I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Dustin, over here. Uh, I was wondering if the heat affected your cardio at all. Did you feel it in the arena? A lot of fighters were complaining about how hot it was. No, it didn't. I felt good. You seemed to wobble, uh, Khabib, in the second round. Uh, did you think you could potentially, potentially finish him, him at that point in the second round? Yeah, I knew I had him hurt. He does a really good job of... of uh, you know, keeping a good poker face and not, not acting like he's hurt, but I saw his legs go. I had trouble landing my shots. I started, I was worried about his takedown. I, I started throwing a lot of looping shots, not being slick and setting up combinations. And, uh, 
the shot that I hurt him with, I believe I threw a jab cross and switch stance. That way I can still be in range with power shots when he pulled back and I threw a, a right straight from an orthodox stance that, that clipped him and hurt him. He circled well, had a good poker face. I, I didn't go crazy like I usually do. I kind of pulled back after I threw a, threw a couple looping shots that missed. Uh, I think I threw a knee right after that that clipped him a little bit too. I think I hurt him with that as well. I just didn't do enough, you know, and uh, I have to live with it for the rest of my life. Um, you finished Dustin Gaethje, you finished Anthony Perez, Eddie Alvarez. I'll tell you a bad motherfucker. Do you think you, you'd be interested in uh, fighting next, um, Masvidal versus um, Nate Diaz? If I'd be what? Would you be interested in fighting next, Masvidal and uh, Nate Diaz? It's the BMF belt, so you're a BMF, so. Uh, George is a buddy of mine. Uh, I don't sell out like fucking Kobe Covington and talk bad about people who I roll with. No, George is a buddy of mine. I won't fight him. He's a training partner. He's a good guy. Uh, if anything, I'll go out to Florida and help him for that fight. Hi, uh, to your left, uh, Alex Cornwall from Reuters. Um, once you, I guess, take some time off down the road, what happens next in your career? Man, it's tough to say right now. You know, this was my 41st fight tonight. I'm only 30 years old. I, uh, I've just been through so much in, in my fighting career. It's like, I don't know what's next, you know? I thought, to, honestly, the last 10 weeks of, of training camp and preparing for this fight, I thought the stars were aligning and I thought this was my night, you know? I thought this was like destiny, but I don't want to just keep crying up here in front of you guys, man, but this just means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, to get, to get, to have a performance like that. And uh, in the moment I was just waiting for the each round, I thought I was gonna start pulling away and, and start outpacing him later on in the fight. But he's just so, his balance and uh, his weight distribution against the fence, and when he's on top, it's, it's so, so strong. Physically, he didn't feel overwhelming. I've, I've fought guys that are stronger than him, but skill-wise and balance-wise, he, he felt really good. I, uh, I just really thought tonight was gonna, I was gonna fly back home to the United States, undisputed world champ. So this really hurts, but I'm gonna go back home and talk to my wife. You know, like I said, I have a lot of tread left on the tires, I feel. I felt good out there tonight. I felt good this whole training camp. I just, I'm not fighting just to fight. You know, I've been fighting to be the world champ, so these opportunities don't come that often. I just need to go back home and, and then uh, think about what, yeah, could, the, what could be next for me. This thing is uh, all about MMA from Brazil. I just want to say you're a very young guy. You have a, a long career in the future. I just want to say you fight very well tonight. It was um, unbelievable to see how you fight. So keep your head and go ahead. You, you are a very good fighter. You are a very good fighter. Just go home, rest a little bit. God have a good future for you in the UFC. Don't worry. Thank you, man. I've, I'm familiar with adversity. It's just I have to live the rest of my life asking myself, if, if I could have done more, if I could have maybe escaped some of those takedowns, if I could have pushed harder, 
uh, when I had my underhooks against the fence. Those are the, the questions that'll haunt me. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I've lost before. All right, that was Dustin Poirier. Uh, emotional stuff there, man. I mean, just again, hard not to have your your heart go out to him a little bit. But I mean, it's 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 that intensity, um, that focus, that commitment. Um, you know that are his key to success. And and man, just uh, what a great guy, man. I think uh, everybody felt for him, and I think he'll be back. I think there's there's still plenty of fights, as he said, plenty of tread in the tires. Um, he's not uh, an old guy by any stretch, despite how many fights he has and how long he's been around. Um, you know, did take a little shot at Colby Covington there. Maybe, you know, maybe 170's in his future. Uh, certainly some uncertainty right now with Colby Covington. Um, but yeah, Dustin Poirier, man, class act all the way. And class act for Habib, man. Just a phenomenal champion. Um, and, and, and just uh, incredible. Can't say enough. Can't say enough. All right, listen, uh, co-main event, Paul Felder picks up the split decision win over Edson Barboza. Good fight, man. It was intense as we thought it would be. The speed, the, the striking, the creativity of these guys, um, the, the, the durability of Paul Felder, uh, all of it on display. I mean, just, just high-level stuff. Uh, what wasn't maybe as high level as the scores. And, you know, what's funny is I really don't want to rip on the judges here because I think this was a close fight. I, I really, really do believe it was a close fight. And so I don't necessarily find the decision of Paul Felder somehow appalling, you know. I think anytime we see, you know, dueling 27-30 scores, basically, you know, 30-27 one way, 27-30 the other, um, I think that immediately stands out to you as, as you know, what are you watching? But, I mean, I do always edge some caution. I mean, in the same way that I think sometimes, you know, a score of 50 to 45, for instance, you go, well, that was a blowout. Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, we're scoring this thing round by round. You know, if two punches or one punch are the difference in every single round for 25 minutes, you know, the score could come back 50-45. And you could say that is a razor-thin 50-45. So in the same way, I think you have to give the judges a little bit of uh, leeway here in the fact that, all three rounds were really, really, really tight. And I think it was compounded by the fact that, you know, uh, Felder was the one moving forward. I mean, not that that's a surprise. That's that's the way these guys fight. Felder likes to walk forward. Barbosa likes to move backwards so he can stay in kicking range. Um, and, and they both did that effectively. Um, for myself personally, uh, on first watch, I scored it 29-28 uh, for Barbosa, giving him rounds one and three. The funny part about that is when you look at it, statistically, uh, round three was, was Felder's best round uh, as far as the, 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 the numbers of significant strikes that were landed. Um, and so I think sometimes the statistics can be a, a, a little – I think they can be a little off. Maybe it's me that was a little bit off, but I just felt you know that was how uh, the, the more effective strikes were being uh, landed. And – Again, razor, razor thin, so it's probably especially three. I thought round one was more clear, and I thought round two was more clear for Felder. So, you know, at that point, now you're talking about, well, one round uh, should come down to decide it. And, and again, it's I don't think it's necessarily something that judges consciously think of, but I think we see it in MMA a lot. When a fighter is moving forward, he tends to be getting more credit, and, and I – Maybe that's a little bit of what happened here. But again, I'm not calling this a robbery. I do think the scores being 30-27 and 27-30 among them, I think it makes it incredibly easy to criticize. Um, but 
I do think too that the immediate reaction of both fighters to the reading of the decision gives away a little bit about how they felt about it. I mean, you've got Edson Barbosa, you know, incredibly disappointed. You know, his, his hand is in the air as they're reading it out. Um, he's he's smiling. You know, he thinks he's won the decision. And, I mean, I guess most fighters do, but that, that felt like a, a more confident pose that he was striking, you know. You can read a lot into a fighter's posture and demeanor, I think, during those moments. You can see how they're carrying themselves. Uh, it didn't seem like he was giving it the old, come on, come on, come on. It felt like he believed it. And at the same side, uh, Paul Felder, you know, when he's announced, he's, he collapses in emotion and tears. And, and I get it. I mean, he was just through a, a battle, and this was an, a close fight. And he's got, I mean, I'm not saying that the only reason he was emotional is because he thought he lost. But I'm just saying, when you, those, that instant reaction of how their, their, their body is, I, I kind of think that maybe, Felder thought he came up short. Um, we didn't get to speak to either guy, uh, but Felder was transported uh, immediately after. I'm assuming to, uh, for, I, I would. I mean, they suture on site, so I guess it wasn't for the stitches. Probably, I, I'm sure they might want to get an IV in them. Look, the, the, the building was hot, as we said. I mean, it's it, it was warm, and uh, and I think it took a toll on a lot of people. So I think, um, you know, precautionary reasons more than anything. But uh, anyway, I, I say that because I, you know, we hadn't had, we didn't get a chance to speak to either guy. And, and 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 you know if Paul does think he didn't have to win, I'm not saying he's wrong. I, I think the scores could have been there. Um, I would just like to hear you know kind of what they thought the difference was. Um, it, it was a good fight, you know. It was, and maybe we see a trilogy down the line. I mean, Edson Barbosa is in a spot right now, right? I mean, one and four, I believe now in his last five, which is insane when you think about how talented he is. I mean, he's so quick, fast, powerful entertaining you know I said beforehand I, I don't think he's in any kind of danger I think he's sticking around uh, Edson Barbosa is fun to watch his style is incredibly fan friendly he, he's you know a, a human highlight reel man you know you know you're gonna get something and uh, every fight that he's in I think is is uh competitive now you know obviously he's had some some losses but um you know I don't think he's in, in danger but Listen, man, that gets to you. You want to you want to win fights. I mean, no matter how much you believe in the process and you believe in yourself and you believe in your results and training, you want to get wins. That that starts messing with your psyche a little bit, you know. And that's a tough spot for Edson Barbosa. Happy for Paul Felder. He's, he's a good dude, man. He, he Paul Paul really is a good. I mean, both these guys are. Uh, but you know, Paul chasing chasing that dream. You know, he's obviously he's got commentating lined up on on the back burner, which he's phenomenal at as well. But, you know, he wants to chase this in-cage glory as well. So a big, big win for him. I, I again, initial watch, I had Edson in round in round one and three. Uh, but, again, statistically that round three was best. So if, if that's the way I felt about it, then, you know, all we're talking about is, uh, well, you know, maybe he looked at round three a little bit wrong and now Felder won. So uh, frustrating. I know uh, Barbosa's camp was, was very, very frustrated. Obviously some, some good friends of mine behind the scenes there uh, with that team, and, and, and they, they didn't necessarily love the decision. So, uh, man, an, an absolute, uh, just just a very, very close one. So, uh, beyond that, the main card, uh, you know, I thought uh, 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 the best performance to me was Curtis Blades. C clearly, I mean, just an absolutely dominant performance over Shamil Abdurakimov. I, I, you know, I thought Curtis Blades would win this fight. I picked him in this fight. Um, but, man, the domination that he had there, I mean, just no struggle whatsoever. Uh, incredible, incredible win from him. I, I just don't think you could ask for more for Curtis Blades. He looked great. Afterwards, he ended up calling out uh, Junior Dos Santos, um, 
fortunately, that was right before we found out uh, that, that uh, he would be uh, booked uh, to fight in Moscow. So he's got an opponent lined up in Alexander Volkov. And, and so Curtis Blades' call-out will, will fall on deaf ears. But um, certainly, you know, he deserves a big name. I mean, Blades, you know, the setbacks that he's had uh, to Naganu, I guess, you know, in a lot of ways have probably soured people on his potential. But he, he's tearing through other people. So um, Curtis Blades is, I think, still continuing to get better and is going to be a problem in the heavyweight division. Um, you know, Islam Makachev uh, picked up a win over Davi Hamos. That fight was not great by any stretch of the imagination. It was frustrating. I mean, it was frustrating. Like, Ism did what he needed to win. And, and I'm sure in many ways, you know, you heard the, the pressure that uh, Habib Nurmagomedov was talking about. Of course, his, his training partner and friend. Uh, I'm sure Islam Makachev uh, felt a lot of the same responsibilities as well, man, the same pressures. I mean, certainly not to the level of Habib Nurmagomedov, but uh, Islam Makachev's name is, is very, very known in this part of the world. Uh, and, and he's got a lot of fans and he's got a lot of expectations. And, of course, you know, being the 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 friend, the prodigy of the uh, the protege of you know the undefeated monster Habib Nurmagomedov. I mean, that's that comes with a lot of expectations. Uh, I think every time Islam goes out there, he feels the need to to deliver on that. But you know, the thing was, I think we all wanted to see a high level grappling match. You know, if you listen to the preview show, I, I, this was one of the fights I circled on the card that I was looking out for the most because I thought these were two very very talented uh, prospects. And, and more than anything, I thought they were phenomenal grapplers. And so I wanted to see some great grappling exchanges. You know, the, the top-level wrestling game of Islam Makachev, the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu of Dobby House. And instead, um, they, they came out and decided to kickbox. And uh, no disrespect to them, um, but, you know, I, 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 that's not what I wanted to see. That's not what you want to see from these two guys. So that, that fight kind of disappointed a little bit. And I think it, it kind of stalled the, the feel of the pay-per-view right in the middle of it because he started out with uh, Diego Fajera picking up a, a, a really big win over Maribek Tysonov. Incredibly impressive there. Um, Diego Fajera, man, quietly behind the scenes, has a very, very impressive record. We didn't get to talk to him either. Of course, Fortis MMA guy, so I'm always going to have a little love for him. But, um, man, to me, Maribek Tysonov is, is somebody that I, you know I've been talking about for years. So, I mean, to me... I mean, I knew this was a stiff test for both guys. I knew this was going to be, um, you know, a difficult fight for both men. But Diego Fajet, after a little bit of trouble early on, um, just looked dominant, absolutely dominant. I, I think one of the biggest wins of his career. He did not uh, get to make it to the post-fight press conference either. Also uh, transported for um, potential, um, well, they just basically say precautionary reasons. But I'm pretty sure it's to, like, get an IV and, and uh, get some fluids. Because, again, just the heat... Uh, in the building was a lot. The heat and the humidity, they weren't unbearable. I mean, they, they were on par with, you know, I was uh, Fortaleza was an incredibly hot show in Brazil. Um, the, the, the venue didn't have any air conditioning uh, in Brazil. You know, it's kind of an older building. Like, that was uh, incredibly hot. Um, you know, so, I mean, there have been some other shows that were close to this. Um, but it's just, I don't know, the level of humidity here was so different that it just it just put this coating on you. It made, like, the air heavy and, and kind of hard to breathe. So you can imagine, you know, knowing that's the reality of it and then going through uh, this incredible contest. So Diego Fajeda didn't get to come either. Um, Islam Makachev, um, you know, he, he, he did speak to the media. Obviously, he speaks uh, Russian, so, you know, he, he spoke to the media a little bit. And, ironically, uh, he he spoke after Habib Nurmagomedov at the post-fight press conference. Now, Habib had a really cool gesture. 
um, and, and presented him with the belt and was like, hey, you're going to have one of these one day as well. So he did the press conference with the belt up there and, uh, you know, cool support. Uh, it was just funny because they held Islam Makachev until afterwards uh, because they figured the local media would want to talk to him. And they did. Again, he's a big name, but he was he spoke after Habib. So, you know, it was already pretty late tonight. And then on top of that, you know, your your headliner was done. So I think people were trying to wrap up and get out. So they held him for quite a long time. It ended up being just a, a couple of minutes. So, um, you know, again, I, I thought Curtis Blades was a standout for this main event. And, and maybe he's not going to get the respect that he deserves for it. You know, he's he's fought uh, all over the place. Um, but this was, a, this was a good win for him. On the prelims, Joanne Calderwood did pick up a big win over Andrew Lee. This was big as well. I did think Andrew Lee uh, was fatiguing as well. Calderwood said, listen, super, super hot uh, in, in the building. Um, it, it, it uh, you know, it, it got to me, but I knew it was getting to her as well. Um, and so because of that, I knew that, uh, you know, that I just had to push through. And, and I think this is a big win for her. Now, um, you know, I think a lot of us hardcore MMA fans have always been Joanne Calderwood fans. But I thought Andrea Lee was kind of quietly cementing herself uh, as a future number one contender, a future title challenger, uh, and not even very far in the future. I think she was getting close. In fact, you know, during fight week, she mentioned the, the name of Valentina Shevchenko. She wasn't afraid to say it. You know, again, it wasn't a situation of looking past or looking beyond, but she understood the direction that she was going, and she understood what was on the table. And, th- and this was a big result. And uh, Joanne Calderwood continues to develop. You know, she showed some some wrestling skills as well, and 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 uh, you know was able to dig deep and and, and big, dig out a, a big win over Andrew Lee. And you know, I think Joanne Calderwood steals a, a little bit of that momentum back that she had before the loss to Caitlin Chukagian. I, I I don't know. You know, you're in a weird spot at 125. Uh, there's not. I mean, <laughs> Valentina is so dominant that it's tough right away. You know, in some ways. It's almost like you know Demetrius Johnson uh, when the when the men's flyweight division was first developing. Now, of course, Valentina wasn't the first champ, but you know once Demetrius was in place and started you know knocking out contenders, you just you, you didn't know you know who you would pick. And I think you know not to discount anybody, but it is hard to find people at 125 that you would go, yeah, definitely. That one beat Shevchenko, no problem. <laughs> you know, it's just it's tough to say. Um, but but you're in another unique position in the, this. You know, Kaylin Chikagan and Jennifer Maya are fighting uh, on November 2nd, UFC 244. But Valentina Shevchenko has made it clear she wants to fight again before the end of the year. Um, she's becoming very, very marketable, so I'm sure the UFC would like to have her fight again. Um, you know, she brings in audiences from, from many different nations. You know, she, uh, she speaks multiple languages. She markets herself very well. Um, and, and she draws a, a bit of a crowd, and, and I think the popularity around her is swelling. But, you know, she said it earlier this week. I talked to her, uh, you know, earlier this week, and she said, look, I thought I was going to fight Chukagian and Maya, and now they're fighting each other. So, you know, maybe a stretch to get Calderwood up there. Um, you know, we, we certainly, you know, we have uh, Joanna as an honorable mention in our previous rankings. Now those will change this week. Um, it may be a little bit of a stretch, but it's it's – it's possible. I mean, if you if you need a contender, Calderwood has a thing in that she's she has a name. You know, she's got that personality, uh, and so I I think crazier things have happened. But uh, big win for Joanne Calderwood. Of course, she trains now in Vegas at Syndicate MMA, uh, and uh, it w- was good to see her in a good mood. She she uh, talked openly as she always does. She's I think she's always fun to hear from. She's got a great sense of humor, and of course, come on, that voice, one of the most unique accents and voices in MMA. It's, it's always pretty funny to hear from. So why not? 
Here's uh, the featured prelim winner, Joanna Calderwood. Sure, if he's going to feel it, uh, 
because especially I was like kind of early in the night, so I'm guessing there's there's more people coming to the arena, so the, the body heat could make a difference. And uh, obviously, Andrea Lee is not Khabib, so <laughs> I'm sure uh, it is going to be a lot hotter. I'm just here to keep winning now and wait for the call. You know, I know she, uh, Valentina, doesn't have a fight, uh, so uh, I'm ready. And yeah, go back to the gym on Monday, celebrate with my teammates. They've got some fights coming up, and just wait for that call. If that's who they want me to face, that's who I will. Well. well. fun to talk to uh and again that was a big big win for her man keep keeps her name up there at the top of the division for sure so uh don't discount that listen a lot of your bonuses ended up coming out of the prelims prelims were not bad you know i thought the night started out a little bit slow uh don madge uh picked up a win in the first very first fight of the night now he did him afterwards of course he he took on a a, a late notice replacement there uh in for Sian, but um also ended up breaking his hand early on so he said listen i kind of had to change my game plan because of the late change and then on top of that i broke my hand as well uh so that was rough and then, of course omari akhmadov uh picked up a win over zach cummings um no disrespect to Amari Akhmadov, but both those guys are grinders. You know, you kind of knew what was going to happen in that going in. It was going to be a bit of a, a slow and grinding affair. But uh, those early prelims, then they got going real busy. Muslim Salikov picked up the TK over win over at Nordin Taleb. Uh, big knockout there with the big right hand. Then Bala Muhammad fo uh, followed up with a submission win over Takashi Sato to wrap up those early prelims. Both uh, Bala Muhammad and Muslim Salikov did pick up $50,000 bonuses, uh, along with Otman Azatai, who also had a knockout in the first fight of the FX prelims. Uh, so you had a nice little run. I mean, think of that three performance of the night bonus winners in a row on the prelims, two on ESPN+, Plus, one on FX. Um, so Bala Muhammad, you know, you heard Farah Hanoun, uh, who, if you heard her earlier this week on, on uh, the earlier show, the preview show, um, you know, she, she said, listen, I think this is a guy that got kind of underutilized this week and underpromoted this week. And, uh, man, he did. He had, Bilal Muhammad had a lot, a, a great following, a lot of energy in the building when he competed. Um, and, and, and he said, listen, man, it was even a little bit surprising to me. It was nice to see the amount of support I got here. 
Um, of course, he does have ties to the region geographically, and, and he said it made me realize, you know, I have a bigger platform than I thought. And, and Bilal Muhammad, uh, you know, I, I think, a, you know, a bit of a criminally underrated guy. Um, you know, he's had some setbacks, but you, you look at the people that he's lost to, um, you know, Jeff Neal, tough as hell. Vicente Luque, all right, we know all about Vicente Luque, man. That dude is on an incredible run. Alan Joban as well, who uh, a lot of respect for Alan Joban. Of course, that was in his UFC debut. Um, you know, I had a chance to, to meet Bilal Muhammad when he was still fighting on the Titan FC banner back when I was still doing broadcasting for them. So, you know, a bit of a criminally underrated guy. Um, and, and not just as a fighter, but as a great personality as well. Uh, gets it, you know what I mean? Um, so he had a great performance. Speaking of Otman Azatar, big knockout of Timu Pakalin. Again, netted him $50,000. Just a, a, a beautiful shot. And the way Timu fell uh, was 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 a bit scary, man. He was twitching for a bit on the canvas, man. He's had a couple big knockouts in his career uh, under the UFC banner. But big, big win for Ahmed Izatar. And if you want a little bit of entertainment and you don't mind multiple languages to do it, go check out the MMA Junkie YouTube page. Um, you'll see the video there uh, of Ahmed Izatar. Well, we also have the story on there as well. But uh, his brother Abu is there, uh, and and they are uh, they are a couple characters, man. They are uh, animated as can be. They kind of riff off each other. Uh, Abu is actually a little bit uh, more animated and, 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 and kind of acts as his translator, um, but it's funny. These guys have a lot of energy, man. They, they are absolutely hilarious, uh, so maybe worth going to see them. And also, maybe worth going to see Sarah Morris as well. Sarah, she picked up a, a big, big win over Liana Jojua, a dominant win for Sarah Morris. Now, marred, of course, by the fact that she missed weight. She, she did not try to make excuses for it. Um, but she did miss weight pretty badly uh, by a couple pounds. She apologized profusely for it, um, but looked very, very dominant in a spot where she knew she needed to win. Um, she had had some losses, and she knew this to ground she needed to win. Uh, and and she's, she is funny. I mean, she has got a personality, you know, uh, kind of a quiet, soft-spoken Canadian now living in Vegas. I shouldn't say quiet. She, she doesn't mind talking a little bit, but she's kind of reserved in the way she talks. Her body language is a little almost shy to a degree but then she's like i just love violence in the cage like i just like beating chicks up it's like oh all righty then uh but but she had uh, she, she had a, a fun interview in the back as well and she talked about it you know like hey don't get me wrong i know what was on the line here i, I know what i had to do uh and i was glad i got it done so a big win for her and of course you know the 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 other prelim we did talk about probably the, the biggest shock of the night, Lerone Murphy and Zubera Tokugov uh, fighting to a split draw. Um, Zubera was, uh, he was feeling it, no question about it, man. The, I mean, again, I think it comes down to the heat, you know. it's It was just on a different level here. The heat and humidity were on a different level here. And I will be interested to see, you know, there's a five-year partnership moving forward. Um, you know, Dana was asked about it in the post-fight press conference. You know, hey, would you, you know, do you think maybe it affected the fights? He kind of blew it off, um, and I get it. You know, he is right. It's not like these were conditions where you were concerned for the safety of the athletes, but it, it it's hot, man. It was different here. Um, and I was told by a couple people in the region that even, you know, moving it uh, a couple weeks, you know, later into September, October would make it feel better. Um, I, I, we'll see. We'll see if they if they make any adjustment. Um I guess a lot of that depends on the venue too. I mean, I don't think they have a lot of like just you know big venues available. But man, the, the money they throw around here, they can build whatever they want. So 
Um, certainly they could make adjustments to the technology if they don't want to make adjustments to the schedule. But Zubera, uh, neither fighter came to the post-fight press conference. It was a draw. Um, they didn't come back for scrums either. But I know one of the reasons Zubera didn't, I know he was, I mean, you could see it visibly. He was he was struggling. So I think he was uh, transported for safety reasons. So, uh, again, probably get an IV in him, get some, get some uh some liquids back into them dehydration that sort of thing so overall listen i thought it was a, a good night i mean this 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 card was certainly built around habib never gonna made off uh of course um you know he did pick up that fifty thousand dollar performance bonus as well he was he was the last performance bonus no gate and no live attendance given originally i was told that i believe the building seats somewhere around 12 or thirteen thousand. it looked pretty full from my perspective i do know talking to people man it was tough to get tickets uh it was a very very big event there were a lot of people in town for this um but the reason being that no attendance and, and no uh, gate figures were uh, announced is that the UFC was not involved in it. I mean, this is this is part of the deal. You think about it. I mean, they have nothing to do with ticket sales. They don't need to do anything. Um, they just have to show up and put on a good show. Now, they did it, man. You saw Dana White was, was doing uh, what, live Instagram chats every night uh, to, to talk about the event, to promote it. You know, they were doing the looking forward to a fight video series where they were putting out content every single day. I mean, you think about that and what that takes to get turned around, the, uh, the, the the massive guest fighter roster that they had. I mean, this was a big, big deal. And afterwards, UFC President Dana White said that, you know, he actually had discussions this week about doing something even bigger, even bigger next year. He said, you know, kind of like International Fight Week, but more. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> they talked about maybe doing – a, a looking for a fight episode like while they're here next year, but doing the fight uh, on the roof of the Louvre uh, here. So, I mean, it's crazy. It, it is going to be insane to see what has come up with over the next couple of years. Uh, no question. There is money in the region, uh, and, and they like to flaunt it a little bit. It's a, it's a PR thing. You know, as, as, as Farah Hanun said earlier this week, you know, they, uh, they've they got the wealth, and they want to show the world, um, you know, that, that we're here, we're worth coming here. Um, it's it's a it's a PR tour for their country, you know, and, and to boost tourism, to get tourism dollars into the economy, to get people coming here, and just to change their reputation, I guess, you know, to deal with any potential negative misconceptions about the region. Uh, you know, they 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 want to clear that up. So we'll see what these events are like. I'm telling you, it's a long trip, man. I uh, I you know. It'd be nice if I could afford the direct flights, but we got that chunky budget. We're trying to keep the cost down a little bit. Um, but even direct flights are long. But for me, um, you know, tomorrow I fly home. It's uh, it's from here to London Heathrow, Heathrow to Chicago, and then Chicago to Vegas. Um, so it's not the most direct route, but it's not terrible. And my layovers are pretty short, but uh, even that's like 22 hours to get home. So uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a haul to get out here, um, and it's definitely not cheap, but I'm glad we were able to cover it in full for you this week. And We'll see how it goes for the next four years. It sounds like, you know, they want to do big fights here. They want these to be big events. You know, if they're talking about doing it like International Fight Week, then I imagine that we will back uh, be back here next year. So, all right, listen, uh, like I said, Cold Coffee is going to wrap up. Bellator, all that's going on. We'll have full coverage of all that good stuff. Me, it's late. I got to get some sleep. <laughs> I got to get some sleep uh, so that I can head to the airport and get home. Miss, miss the family. It's been a long week for sure. Be always good to get back home, but – uh, it was a hot week. It was a sweaty week, uh, but it ended up being a pretty good week. And uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is your undisputed UFC lightweight champion. He looked pretty damn incredible. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed the coverage. 
We'll be back next week. Uh, I'll be with my man Cole Coffee next week. We'll be back in Vegas. The young Mike Bond will be up in uh, Vancouver where he's got some family. Uh, we're going to sit that one out, let him handle that one on his own. We'll help out from Vegas, and then uh, I go to Mexico City the week after that, and then a couple weeks after that, Cole Coffee and I go to Australia. So we got we got plenty of stuff coming up on the horizon, but we'll get to all that later. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll be right back.